This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. What's up, Z-Pack? It's Dr. Z. Welcome to the show. We're live. It's, I don't know what day of the week, Tuesday. It all starting to blur together now, isn't it? And I got to say a couple things. I... Uh, put on a nice shirt for you guys. Nice meaning it's Persian nice. I'm getting in touch with my Persian roots. So it's gaudy, it's got flowers on it. All I need is a gold chain and some cologne and we'll seal the deal. But today I wanted to talk, just do something a little different for the whole page, not just for supporters. Usually when I do lives like this, I'm casually talking to my supporter tribe, the people who've subscribed for $4.99 a month and they get discounts on merch, and which is new, and there's a link here and all that. And okay, I've done the housekeeping. But this is kind of a discussion I wanted to have because I think it's central to how we're gonna get through the COVID thing. And as a doctor, I think about this stuff all the time because I'm watching the news, I'm reading articles, I'm talking to experts, I'm talking to you, I'm getting a million questions from all around, I'm getting interesting pieces of data. And what I'm seeing is a pattern that shouldn't surprise anybody that I think looks at human nature, whether it's somebody like a Nobel Prize winning, you know, psychologist like Daniel Kahneman, who described the mind as two different systems. There's kind of like a rational thinking, strategizing, reasonable mind. And then there's the older sort of lizard brain, the emotions and the fear and the hope and the disgust and the kind of pre-programmed stuff that, Jonathan Haidt and others have talked about, the sort of elephant that we ride on, and we're the little rider trying to be reasonable on top of it, controlling this big emotional elephant. So when you see something like what's happening now in the world with the COVID-19 pandemic, what you notice is people behaving in a way that's predictably irrational. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm gonna pull up your comments here. Um, predictably irrational means we've, kind of studied humans now a fair bit, and we realize a couple of things. First of all, it's it's mistaken to think that they're irrational and crazy as a species. You may look at whoever your political opposition is. In other words, if you're a liberal, you look at conservatives. If you're a conservative, you look at liberals. If you're a libertarian, you look at all of them, and you go, these people are dumb, irrational, hysterical, and I can't figure them out at all. They're not using reason. That's a myth. Humans evolved to use reason. And in many cases, they're behaving reasonably based on the parameters of what they're trying to achieve. So <clears throat> let's take a look at conspiracy theories for COVID-19. So people out there saying this whole thing is a hoax, 
that was concocted by globalist organizations and the pharmaceutical industry and liberal Democrats to try to take away freedoms, insert more control, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Now, a lot of that can be debunked very quickly, right? You can actually, and you can do that systematically, but that doesn't, that doesn't really matter because the people who are sharing that kind of belief structure are not, are not sharing it necessarily to be right about it. They're sharing it because it makes sense because they're signifying what tribe they belong to, what values they hold and what group they are showing allegiance to, particularly on social media, cable news, whatever it is that you're consuming. And that means that, and, th and this has really been looked at, and the book that I wanna reference here is Steven Pinker's Enlightenment Now, A Case for Science, Reason, and Humanism. And in that book, he kind of goes through very carefully and says, you know, when liberals do this crazy stuff, trying not to curse so you guys can share it, they are actually behaving rationally in terms of their in-group signaling. So for example, if you are a white liberal and you throw up a Black Lives Matter thing on your you know, Twitter and you have a picture in your avatar of you wearing a mask, um, and all your tweets are tisk tisking the you know Trumpistas who don't want to wear masks and think that um, Black lives are expendable. You're signaling to that group that you are part of that group, and actually, any deviation from the group sort of dogma can lead to very negative consequences for you. In other words, being canceled, right? So. It's actually rational if you want to be part of an in-group tribe, and there's a lot of pressure to do that in social organisms like humans. We need belonging, we need the safety of the group, we need to be part of the hierarchy of the group. And so this is very normal. On the right, it's the same thing. You put up a, a crazy hoax conspiracy about the pandemic, you may not even believe that really, or if challenged about it, what'll happen is you'll entrench because you are again, putting up the dogma of the group. And it seems irrational, and if you look at straight reason, it is, but in the sense that it works for this in-group kind of um, dynamic, it actually makes a lot of sense. So what's gonna happen when you, and the same thing goes for say climate change, whether you think it's human caused or not, that is a huge political signifier nowadays, right? Now, should it be this way? Well, what Pinker argues in the book is what we should be doing is saying, okay, this is the innate part of human reason. We actually are group reasoners to some degree and that we can actually train ourselves to recognize our own biases, our own in-group behavior, our own cognitive distortions, and actually transcend them and behave more rationally and reasonably about any issue. It doesn't matter if it's something emotionally polarizing like abortion or gun control or taxes or regulation. It doesn't matter what it is. You can actually have dynamic conversations and actually get data and interpret it objectively if you recognize what your biases are. And a lot of the book is spent showing examples of how really smart people with political biases misinterpret the same data. It's what people have called the two movies sort of theory in America. For example, when Trump won the election, there were two movies playing. Uh, 
There was the liberal movie that said, oh my God, it's the end of the world. What is wrong with the idiots in the middle of the country? And then there was the other movie, which was like, finally, common sense and uh, pro-business and X, Y, and Z has won out. And that'll show the you know elites on the coast who have their heads up their butts. Two complete different movies based on your value system and your in-group solidarity. Now, the value system, for just to simplify it as much as possible, on the left might be communitarian, like you value the group and the group authority over the individual. So individuals are sort of these cells that may or may not be, you know, as important as the larger group dynamic. And so you're willing to sacrifice some individuality for a better group dynamic, a better whole. Now on the right, it's kind of the opposite. It's about individualism and celebrating the individual and a, 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 a sort of a, what's the word, suspicion of the group. So top-down solutions, government regulation, taxes, public health apparatus, mask mandates, vaccination, these kind of ideas might be met with suspicion from an individualist perspective. Whereas a collectivist would say, well, yeah, of course you'd vaccinate everyone, otherwise you won't generate herd immunity, right? But the truth is both of those value systems get a lot of stuff wrong a lot of the time. Neither one is perfectly right. And there's never been a single country that has been one value system that has succeeded perfectly. There's never been a perfectly libertarian country and there's never been a collectivist communist country that has actually succeeded or existed for long periods of time. The truth is that you pick and choose bits based on reason, on experiment. So countries can experiment with, do you use a single payer? Do you have an insurance model that the government subsidizes? Do you have a free market model? And then see what works with that population, get data, measure outcomes, measure costs, and make decisions. And by the way, by that standard, the United States does not do well in healthcare. And other countries do better on most everything that you can measure. So it tells you that maybe we need to experiment more, right? But that's just... Again, looking at reason now, of course, just what I just said would trigger anybody who does not want any top-down solution for healthcare, including me. My elephant, my unconscious bias, and I always put it out there, is slightly libertarian, right? But I see I have, I have biases on the left and biases on the right, depending on what you're looking at. The key thing is how do we recognize those distortions and try to overcome them? Now, one of the important ways to look at this is when you're looking at COVID-19, there's so much suspicion of any top-down approaches and bottom-up approaches, right? So top-down approaches, well, the WHO says no mass, then they say mass. CDC says no mass, then they say mass, then they say cloth mass. The scientists say one thing, then they say another thing. How do we trust anybody? And then the commander-in-chief is saying a third thing. So that whole realm of distrust then polarizes into into political flat factions. If you're on the left, you're you know you're all for Fauci and you're all for um, the care versus harm collective. Everybody mask up. Everybody uh, social distance. The economy is not as important as individual safety and the collective safety of that. And then if you're on the right, you look at that as this is an intrusion on liberty, they're misunderstanding actual risk, the risk is smaller than they're making out, 
Uh, economy kills people if you destroy it. And you know what? They're all partially correct. But who will admit that on Twitter or social media? Because what'll happen is you'll get canceled by whoever your in-group tribe is. So I've been canceled by both sides and I've been celebrated by both sides, depending on the issue of the week. And very rarely we'll do a video that's celebrated by most political elephants. And that means that in that way, what you're doing is you're appealing to the common humanity sense. And that's where humanism comes in. The common humanity sense that we do share the same goal, which is a, a humanistic goal, which means we wanna see humans flourish. We wanna see them be happy. We wanna see them generally be healthy. We wanna see them to be economically prosperous. And so what we wanna do is use this third thing, science as a tool to actually accomplish that. Science is not a dogma. It's not, you know, eugenics. It's not all the terrible things they say. Science is a way of approaching questions and a scientific method is a way of answering questions that generate more questions that you then answer using the first thing we talked about, which is reason, our ability to actually think rationally despite all the biases and distortions that we have, we're still innately rational and have that capacity. So how do we grow that? So my mission in this whole thing is to try to grow reason, grow an understanding of science, and rally people around our shared sense that a humanistic goal is what we all want. We may all go about it differently, but we have that in common. So let's assume the best in each other instead of the worst. Let's look at when we're behaving tribally, and I'm guilty of this a lot. And the other thing is, if we're gonna be reasonable and scientific, we better note when the science, when the evidence, when the data changes and forces us to rethink what it is we're actually gonna recommend. So it seems to me like there's a large contingent of people on the left and the right that feel that changing your mind about anything is one of the great signs of weakness and sin and failure to belong that you can have. Whereas in the book, Enlightenment Now, Pinker talks about the people that were the best at predicting the future were the ones who were the most open to, to experience, to contrary ideas, who were willing to be challenged, who spoke in nuance instead of in absolutes. They used phrases like, on the other hand, or you could also look at it this way. And when, when data changed, they were quick to say, oh, I was wrong. Here's how I was wrong. Now here's my new hypothesis. That is so important because how else are you gonna find truth? If you go in with an absolute certainty, it's almost assured that that's the result of an innate bias because you're not open to the possibility that you could be wrong. And that possibility always exists. It always exists. If someone tells you the earth is flat and you say that's absolutely wrong, which most of us would agree that's not true. <laughs> but how about this? Oh, go to, okay, the earth is flat. Maybe I'm crazy. Convince me that the earth is flat and why? And they'll give you their reasoning and then you apply your own reasoning based on the science you know and you'll realize very quickly that that reasoning is not correct. The person has some bias or some mistaken understanding of science or some other unconscious agenda 
that they don't trust the dogma and they wanna be part of a group. And this is common in conspiracy thinking. They wanna be part of the in-group that really does know the truth and everybody else doesn't because often those folks feel marginalized at baseline. It's actually a cause for some compassion rather than generalized ridicule. So increasingly, and I struggle with this with anti-vaccine people because they can cause so much harm, but the truth is you're not gonna convince them by attacking them. Like for example, someone you know not wearing a mask, you come up and start shaming them. You're all about yourself, you don't care about others. That is not gonna convince them. It's gonna convince them that they have, they've basically irritated you, which was potentially their goal if you're in an out group from them, you're a different political philosophy, different group, whatever it is, and they're gonna dig in their heels. So instead you have to go, oh, okay, what we both want this garbage to be over, man. So what do you think is the best way to do this? Tell me what you think. Well, I think we should have freedom and not wear masks and this and that. And here's the data that says there's no data on masks. And then you say, okay, well, what if, what if we got through it faster if everybody would wear a mask? Would you wear it then if I showed you data that that actually helped? And they said, no. Then you say, okay, well then what would convince you? And you have to have that conversation. I have changed my opinion on masks, not so much because a whole butt ton of data came out saying, okay, these things are absolutely working. I still have concerns that they generate false security, that they cause people not to social distance, that they cause people to touch their face more, and that cloth masks in particular are fairly porous and not as effective as a surgical mask. But if you were to tell me, well, okay, we want everyone to wear them, and if everyone wore them, we'd actually lower the viral load and the inoculum, and I've done videos on this, and we'd be able to open up the economy more and we'd be able to uh, slowly develop some immunity over time and get to a vaccine if that's gonna in the cards, then I would say, okay. And actually with surgical masks in hospital settings, it seems to work pretty well. With uh, certain studies that I've talked about in another video, it seems to show evidence that these masks may well help in a general public situation. That evidence was not as clear before. I change my mind on it. Now it doesn't change my unconscious bias, which is uh, masks for the general public and cloth masks in particular seem pretty outrageous and a real change in our culture and um, can be, you really need to see strong evidence that they work. But the problem is that we don't have necessarily the ability to do those randomized control trials in record time during a pandemic. And so I wear a mask and actually it started to acculturate me. And I, you know, as a physician, I'm used to wearing masks, but the thing is it started to acclimatize me culturally to this idea that you can wear masks in public. And this is, I consider myself fairly rational. I'm hella biased too. So, you know, it. what we really need to do is recognize, okay? First of all, any pundit who says assuredly, this is what's gonna happen is gonna be is gonna be wrong 50% of the time. And, and in Pinker's book, they actually did studies on these so-called pundits over 20 years and found that they were no better than a chimpanzee throwing darts at a board. The people who were more accurate, at least in the short run, were the equivocators and the ones who looked at nuance, were willing to change their opinion based on new data and who were rationalists, who were good at numbers actually, but weren't necessarily math savants, but they were, you know, numeral literate, and so you do need those kind, that kind of expertise in the world and you do need to look at it also in the context of the bigger picture of economics, culture, social stuff, and all those other things. So 
in Pinker's book, which I think you guys should listen to on audiobook, and, and really, it's quite compelling. You won't agree with everything he says, um, but you will see a thread that first of all, there's optimism for the future because progress happens, especially as we move to more and more reason. So this idea we need to go back to the good old days is um, insane. And the second thing is that we really do need to focus on looking at our own biases. And I did a video that I put out today about cognitive distortions that are very similar to those suffered by people with depression and anxiety and um, PTSD and, and a lot of mental illness has, at least empirically, its roots in distorted thought patterns that you can recognize, you can watch with a little bit of training and mindfulness, sometimes a lot of training and mindfulness, and actually behave more rationally and reasonably and notice when those patterns are distorted. I've gotten better at it. I used to be really lost in my own sauce all the time. And through meditative practice, through a lot of reading, through trying to actually focus on these things and recognizing patterns in myself. First of all, I used to be a knee-jerk liberal. Then I was a knee-jerk libertarian. Then I started to have these interesting sort of conservative ideas as I got older. And then I started to read books like The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt, where I realized, oh, wow, look what I'm doing. I'm falling into the pattern based on my own innate moral matrix, and I'm vilifying the outgroup, and I'm assuming people are stupid, and this and that. When in the book, he also mentions a lot of the people that have the craziest ideas are not stupid. Anti-vaxxers, most anti-vaxxers are not stupid. They're high intelligence. And there are other reasons why they have believed this particular dogma. And some of it is an in-group thing. If you watch the discussion groups for anti-vaccine guys, and we have, what you see is a kind of a tribal loyalty and a in-group compassion for one another and a desire to help one another with this essential oil will help you or take this vitamin instead of going to the doctor and you'll get a lot better. We're all, you know, rooting for you and, you know, praying for you and meditating for you and whatever it is, right? And that is a powerful thing in human minds. We're really wired for that kind of connection. So our reason faculty then spins up to try to support that position, which means if you show me data that opposes it, I will actually entrench my position and pick out parts of the data or criticize the data based on what I already believe. I've already made my decision based on my in-group loyalty and my moral matrix, which is partially inborn and partially conditioned. So how do we transcend it? Well, first of all, we have to get out of these bubbles of thought. So let's step out of that Facebook forum that is constantly looping the same stuff. So I do a supporter forum for the people who subscribe, and I'm the only moderator of that forum. And there's, you know, 7,000 odd people in the forum that are supporters. And they all propose posts. And what I have to do is look at those posts and go, okay, which posts here would either make us laugh across the board with a humanistic perspective or something that blows off steam, or bring up some rational point of view that is challenging the dogma, but done in a way that doesn't attack people's politics or shame them. And I will tell you, nine out of 10 posts do not make it through. And these are good, smart, awesome people. They're either mask shaming memes, 
or anti-mask memes or um, you know some political thing that they wanna attack this politician or that politician. It were so conditioned, especially on social media. So I'm trying to trying to encourage in that group when we have our conversations, how do we actually respect opposing views, encourage them, have the debate in a truly respectful way, assuming the best in the other person with a humanistic goal, respecting science and reason above all, and having fun while you do it, because that's key. So if we can do that, get out of these bubbles and be a little more civil to each other, especially when others are attacking us, it's easy. You can just see, okay, they're getting dopamine bursts from being right, and that that happens. So disengage or go, you know what? I, I get it. I, if we're not gonna have a rational conversation, I'm just gonna step away and step away. It's hard. You're gonna wanna go back and see what you can say to try to win the argument because our little writers are really, they love to be right. Um, all right, let's, let's check out some comments here. Risa Dubois, having fun is the most important part. It's been pretty grim. Here's why I think we'll get through COVID if we just do the things I'm talking about. We will pull out and change and adapt to the best data we have available without politics, thinking about the bigger picture, respecting people who disagree and listening to those arguments and coming to conclusions that are locally relevant. So what happens here in San Francisco may not make sense in Duluth. Um, what happens in Houston may not make sense in New York. And understanding that those are different and that the politics are different, the elephants there are different, the moral matrices on average favor different things, and the environment's different, the weather's different, the amount of you know people mixed in urban areas squeezed together is different. So you have to kind of look at all that trying to use as much rationale as you can. And also we need to understand what risk is. There's a lot of catastrophizing. That's one of the cognitive distortions, which I talked about in the video I put out today, that really either magnify the problem or minimize the problem. I think in general, there's been a magnification on social media and a minimization in real life. So it's kind of a mixed bag. And a lot, some of this skews along political lines, but honestly, it crosses political lines because the same liberal groups that are saying mask up and don't do this and don't do that, if there's a protest happening, they're happy to go. And the same conservative groups that are like, you're never gonna put a mask on me, when the numbers start to increase, you kind of see them quietly put a mask on because you know, fear is a powerful motivator when you see stories about people dying on ventilators, which is happening. Now, is it likely that you're gonna die on a ventilator? Probably not, depending on your age and your comorbidities. And even if you have risk factors, your chances are quite low. And so we can take a breath, understand that a lot of the media and all that stuff operate under the premise that if it bleeds, it leads, meaning stories do better when they are negative biased, when there's doom and gloom. The positive stories, not so much. The stories that are equivocal, definitely not. And yet the truth is somewhere in the middle of all that. So let's read some other comments. Um, the world has gotten insular, says Emily Anderson. People don't talk to their neighbors. They Zoom in their garages after work and shut, the and shut the door. They don't hang out together. People are working their butts off to survive and don't have energy for community. Um, so they end up in, um, 
these communities and uh, ran away and the skills of socialization get lost because people can't always understand a nuance as it's typed, not by voice. I think you nailed something here. So I actually don't think we're getting worse. I'm an optimist. I think overall human societies are flourishing more than they ever have. And I say this because violence decreases. Um, actually, racial tolerance increases on net. People don't feel that way when they watch the news, but it is. If you look at objective data overall compared to any previous decade, if you look at the environment, we have big challenges, but then we could have technological solutions, economic solutions, social solutions to those if we apply to do it, which we will be forced to do when we feel the negative consequences of sea level rise, whatever it is. So these things will happen. Now, as far as the insularness goes, yes. If we're relying on this, as our way of connecting with others, we're screwed. It ha there has to be the nuance of in-person or body language or conversation, even if it's by phone, in order to make progress. And everybody knows this. You're screwing up on email, you can't figure out how to say something, there's all this misunderstanding, you hop on a call or you go and meet and suddenly the problem's solved. That's how humans evolved, right? So the social media is a hack that hacks our social wiring and makes us feel like we're, we're getting a shortcut, but it's actually worse. And I've done videos on that. Now that doesn't mean it's not in a powerful tool. It doesn't mean we can't make it better. It doesn't mean we can't really, really, really transcend our failures to use it wisely. But it means first we have to recognize the problem and not just recognize it, recognize our own addiction to it. That's very hard. I do a screen-free Sunday every Sunday and I fail three out of four Sundays, I, I end up cheating, but my kids succeed and they are vastly better for it. They, they love the fact that there's no devices on the weekend. And anytime I pick up my device on Sunday, they get pissed at me because they're like, daddy, it's screen-free Sunday. You said you were gonna play Monopoly with us or whatever. And I'm like, oh, thank you for catching me. Put this down. And even just from a pure family dynamics, it's so much, so much, better than being detached and looking at this thing. Um, let's read some more comments. ER nurse here says, Katie Emmerich, working as hard as I've been lately and I just wish everyone would stop arguing and try looking out for each other. Stop the politics, listen to science, Katie Emmerich, exactly. Now, remember this though, this is important. And this is what I would say to folks that are on the right that are very skeptical of the science as it stands right now. Uh, I get that. and. I think partially it's because the scientists themselves can sometimes show bias. Um, they can show political bias, they can show cultural bias. And remember a science, there's many ways to spin data. What you wanna do is look at the data and argue over it and go, you know what? All right, well, this is what it shows. This is the other data that needs to be shown that this isn't biased or there isn't some other confounder, but you have to recognize your own bias and that you're not trying to cherry pick to support the fact that you just don't agree with what's been found there. I mean, I've done videos where I've cited data that's not the best data, right? But it's partially because I think on balance, it shows something that's easy to do, that is gonna have low negative consequences if we do it and will if, if, if it's true, we'll have huge positive benefits. So say example, the viral load of masks, the inoculum of virus that you breathe in through a mask might be lower and there's some data and it's relatively soft and it's in influenza patients and in hamsters that says that symptoms are less severe 
if your viral inoculum is less. So could that partially explain why some people get so sick from coronavirus and some people don't have symptoms at all? Well, there's also genetic causes, very nuanced. But if we behave like that, everybody puts on a mask, if it's true, that could really help us, right? Now, if you have a downside of people not social distancing or being overly confident, like it's a force field, that, you know, touching their eyes and not washing their hands, that could be a downside of that. All right. Sherry Davis, Z-Dog, I agree most of the time with you, but I work in an ER as a paramedic in Jacksonville and the civility is sunken so low. I've been threatened by patients, face a lot of hostility and with a lack of support, we're losing staff left and right. So you know that I agree with you and this has been a platform of ours. I think we have lost civility with healthcare professionals and partially that's because of an erosion of trust in authorities like scientists and that's why we're talking about this stuff and partially it's because of there is a problem in society of disconnection of a really problematic healthcare system in general. In other words, we're not a very good healthcare system or a non-system and people are frustrated. Then there's the problem of substance abuse, mental illness, poor access to care, and the fact that people feel like culturally they can come into a hospital and yell and scream and throw punches, which is total garbage. And so I feel what you're saying a thousand percent. You know, it, the, the, some of the worst memories I have are dangerously violent patients throwing punches or emotionally, verbally violent patients who will make you feel really, really bad. And that happens on a daily basis. It's gonna affect you because you're a human being. You're trying to help people. And this is, it seems like what you get. And so we've done a lot of videos on that too. So, I mean, that's real. And that's something we have to keep educating about. Now, the, the other thing is education in itself, in other words, a bunch of scientists statisticking people is not gonna do it. You have to address the underlying moral matrix, the emotional reasoning, the in-group sort of tribalism. You have to address that. We have to teach students how to critically think how to overcome cognitive biases. How many of you guys learned about that stuff in high school or elementary school? Nope, not me. I had, to, I had to become like 40 before I started really learning about that stuff, right? There was a book about physician cognitive biases that are that, that were real, it was really eye-opening. Uh, I think it was like How Physicians Think. I forget what, it, I think it was, that might be what it was called. But it was a great book about our own biases in healthcare and they are huge, they're huge. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think let's let's do this. I want you guys to check out the book, Enlightenment Now. You won't agree with all of it, but it's a good structure, especially as it gets on further in the book, or just read a summary of it online. Just Google Enlightenment, Enlightenment Now summary, and it's a good structure. You'll find some articles online that summarize his points. And I think that with short attention spans these days, it's a good way to start. And then come at us in the comments in a civil way. Let's see what we can actually hash out. And I'm imploring you guys, please love and respect people who have different beliefs than you. They aren't trying to hurt you most of the time unless they're a psychopath and those exist. And even they deserve some compassion because there's a lot of evidence they were born that way. So what are you gonna do? Um, that all being said, quick housekeeping, we now have merch. Thanks to two wonderful supporters of the show that created and are running the merch. And 
we're using proceeds to fund the show and pay expenses and those kind of things. But really, we've tried to price them reasonably so that more people can just express interesting ideas via the merch. Like we have a pen that says science the crap out of it or a shirt that says wash your damn hands um, and a face mask that says wash your damn hands with little asterisks in the dam for people who don't like that kind of language. Um, and that is just simply supporter tribe for life, lyfe.com or look on our Facebook page for the shopping icon. For the supporters who sign up for the 499 or you can sign up on YouTube if you hate Facebook, um, you guys get a 25% uh, discount code in your feed for that merch and you get the supporter tribe discussion group and discussions with me like this that are almost nightly. Um, so that's a pitch for that. The reason I like that group is they're so diverse, but they all share the common thread that, that we want healthcare to get better. We're humanists. We want humans to flourish and we want to be taken care of ourselves. We wanna be treated as humans and be a part of the equation. It's not just patient-centered care. It's patient caregiver centered care. It's this team that's the center, right? Including the patient. Very, 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 very important. All right, guys, I love you. Share this video. It's clean so your mom can listen to it. And we out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.